Join us for the next Kundalini After Dark session on Zoom. Visit brentspirit.com slash after dark to register. See you then. I used to write a blog about 10 years ago. I wrote a blog on Tumblr and I was just rambling about, you know, my spiritual experiences and whatnot. And every now and then people would ask me a question or two and I would respond. And I was looking at my archive about one of the earliest posts that I wrote about Kundalini. So at this time, I didn't really know much about Kundalini, but I was very much on the spiritual path. And I had experienced like a significant spiritual awakening, which I would describe as a, a top-down awakening, uh, an ego death experience, a non-dual awakening, you could say. So in my mind, one day, there was like this energy that poured into my head. And suddenly I couldn't really find this idea of Brent anymore, this, this sense of self, this ego. It was seen to be an illusion and it always was. This marked a, a significant you know, spiritual awakening on my journey, which you know, inspired me to start writing. And at this time, I didn't really know much about uh, you know, Kundalini. Kundalini wasn't really talked about uh, within the circles that I was exploring Zen Buddhism, Advaita Vedanta, Neo-Advaita, non-duality. So I didn't really know much about Kundalini. But after a certain point, I began to feel a lot of this sort of warmth in my heart, warmth in my spine. And I heard this intuitive voice just said, let her have her way with you. And around this time, I started to find these, this word Shakti, Shakti as this dynamic flowing feminine aspect of consciousness. Didn't know much about Kundalini Shakti. I just kept hearing this word Shakti. So I started to kind of hang around these teachers online that were speaking about Shakti, Kundalini Shakti. But whenever I would listen to them, my mind would just become so quiet. And it was like I was in a trance. And so I didn't intellectually really understand much about Kundalini or anything like that. I would just letting her have her way with me, whatever that meant at the time. I didn't even know what that meant. I just felt like I just have to trust this natural process. So this is what was going on with me around this time. A lot of warmth in my spine, warmth in my heart, gentle Kriyas. My spine would just kind of dance and move, but I didn't even know it was a Kriya. I didn't even know what Kundalini was. I was just like an innocent child, just kind of going along with the process. So this is around this time. Now I wrote this blog post uh, 2015, um, after some significant Kundalini phenomena. So it's almost a decade ago, but anyway, I'll, I'll start reading here. Um, so this is from the blog post. So I wrote on a beautiful summer day, I gracefully ended up at Canada's wonderland on LSD. I found myself strapped into a seat on Leviathan one of the largest roller coasters in the world. Now, before the ride could start, my sober friend began to panic. As I looked to her next to me, I realized that her fear was somewhat justified. And it hit me that I had no idea what I'd gotten myself into. A big ass roller coaster on LSD? Really, Brent? Just as I was about to shit myself in fear, I noticed the conductor. His name tag said, Shakti. A wave of relief came over me. My body and mind relaxed totally. I surrendered to the goddess, to Shakti. And then we blasted off. Though there are no words to describe the glory of the experience that followed, I'm quite certain that nobody has ever ridden a roller coaster like I did that day. This beautiful unfolding was a mere foreshadowing for what was to come over the months that followed. So I'll pause reading here. So like I was saying, I had this word, Shakti, let her have her way with you. It's kind of in my heart. It was my mantra, and I really didn't know what any of that meant, right? But I started to experience synchronicity all over. And this was another just, you know, probably one of my favorite synchronicities of all time. 
But this was just another one of those synchronicities that told me, you know, there's something taking care of your brand to surrender, just trust, it's going to be okay. So I wrote about this experience from the blog that I just read and I published this and I went on to talk about what happened after. A few months later, I had this huge Kundalini rising explosion up my spine, uh, a whole, you know, far out, very incredible experience. So I, I wrote about all of that and I published this on my blog. And uh, a friend that I hadn't spoken to in quite a while had reached out to me and they said, hey, you know, I work at Wonderland and I even know this guy, the conductor of the ride, Leviathan, I know him, I know Shakti. So I said, oh, you know, I thank God that was a real person. And I wasn't just, you know, hallucinating this guy's name tag as Shakti. So I'm like, oh, he's a real person. And, um, you know, so this friend, uh, we, we went back all the way to high school, but we hadn't talking and spoken in a while. And anyway, after she had messaged me, we started, uh, you know, we reconnected, we, we started talking and a few months later, we began dating and, and she's my girlfriend uh, to this day. Um, and so I knew that this synchronicity of Shakti, it was like every day I would contemplate it, you know, every day, um, just the way that this guy's name tag, my eyes were just drawn to his name tag. And then when I rode that roller coaster, it was just total surrender and trust. There wasn't an ounce of tension anywhere in my body. There was no fear. There was no fight or flight response. There was just total trust and surrender. I remember riding that roller coaster, totally limp, completely limp, just enjoying the, the full like um, um, death simulation, which is essentially what a roller coaster is. It's like simulating death in a safe, controlled way. And despite that, I was just totally relaxed because I knew I was safe. The synchronicity showed me I was safe. So after some time of contemplating this, this event, I have an intuitive message that I receive. It says, you know, look up Leviathan. I didn't really know what Leviathan was. So, so maybe you do. I, it's, it's, you know, folklore, it's uh, mythology or whatnot. But so, of course, I look up Leviathan on Wikipedia and I see Leviathan is a sea snake. So I'm like, oh, of course, it's Leviathan, roller coaster. It's, this, it's the snake. It's, it's Shakti. It's the serpent, Right. Now, Kundalini, of course, is represented by a snake almost universally. Um, you know, the spinal column takes the shape of a snake. Um, a snake essentially is just the spine. A shake sheds its skin, sheds its skin, uh, it, it transforms. Um, so many different ways that we can, you know, uh, look at why the snake is used. As well, the Kundalini is said to be coiled three and a half times at the base of the spine prior to the awakening, like a snake. So many will experience snakes uh, and the, the motif of snakes. The dragon is there in Chinese uh, um, symbology to represent this force. It's there in South America as the, uh, the, the feathered serpent. Um, it's there all throughout the Bible. It's obviously there in yoga, right? The Kundalini, the Kundalini snake. So of course I find out Leviathan is a snake. I say, wow, okay, you know, how, how did I miss this? But of course, of course it's going to be the snake. So not only this, but... I got a little curious. I started going down a bit of a bit of a rabbit hole here. So I love synchronicity. Sometimes to a fault, I think, because I can kind of get a little too carried away with it. But anyway, I started looking at Leviathan, and I notice that uh, I've got it up on my screen here. Leviathan has uh, seven sort of uh, bumps in in the, in the roller coaster itself, and so I attribute those. Um, bumps to be each of the chakras now maybe i'm uh you know reaching there but i thought it was pretty interesting so i numbered each of those bumps here now as well of course like i was saying leviathan is literally a roller coaster right um which of course if, oh sorry uh, let me just get rid of the image here so of course you know that's the journey itself is a roller coaster it's up and down um so through this process, I came to conclude that Leviathan is the world's largest murti to Shakti, largest statue, largest embodiment to Shakti, the goddess, right? Um, it's like 
through synchronicity, I think people were inspired to create this roller coaster to represent Shakti. So not only can you go there and look at it and stand in awe of it, you can actually ride it and get the experience of, of like a Kundalini awakening type experience. Now, maybe, maybe I'm totally reaching here. Maybe I'm totally insane. I'm fully aware that I can come across as, you know, as if this is some sort of psychotic episode. I, I understand. Um, however, I've been in touch with many, many people who throughout their journey have also experienced incredible synchronicity, showing them that there is an intelligence orchestrating their journey or orchestrating their destiny, orchestrating the, the Kundalini process within. And through synchronicity, it just invokes this, this great level of trust, level of devotion, of awe at the intelligence of this force of Kundalini, which is not just within us, right? The Kundalini Shakti, you could say the Kundalini Shakti is in us, but Shakti itself as the goddess is everywhere. It's all, that, it's all that there is. That's the intelligence of the universe. It is Shakti. And so we can relate with her in this way. So for me on my journey, having experiences like this, of which I've had you know, many, it just invites me to go deeper in my surrender and trust. And, you know, when things get difficult, I remember instances like this and I say, oh yeah, you know, whatever, you know, brought me to these synchronicities and these realizations, it's not going to abandon me. It's never going to abandon me. She's always going to take care of me. And so like that, I can trust. So when things get difficult, when intense Kundalini purges come up, we can relax, we can trust and know that we are taken care of. We are taken care of. So I'll open the floor up for anybody who feels like sharing about synchronicity and uh, you know what they've experienced on their path. Um, any thoughts, anything to relate about synchronicity? I see here Molly sharing in the chat. Been having so many synchronicities lately and it stopped for a while. So it's been very encouraging and motivating to keep going. I've had a big breaking of a cycle lately. I finally found the strength to choose myself and leave a relationship that wasn't meeting my needs. Good. That's great. Yasin says here on YouTube, so many number synchronicities and uncanny events that are just mind-blowing. So Julie's sharing here, when I was having my major awakening, it was nonstop synchronicities and it was overwhelming. About an hour ago, I was watching a show that has nothing to do with spirituality. Then they had a scene with a Reiki practitioner mentioning Kundalini. So I thought I should probably join this meeting tonight. Great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there's something about the uh, the synchronicity that it's cool in the beginning when it's like little numbers and you see 1111 and, you know, things like that. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. But the more you go down the rabbit hole of synchronicity, it can get really, really intense and really overwhelming. Um, it can quite literally feel like you are living in a blockbuster movie. At every turn, there is synchronicity and you can, uh, I, I've, this happened to me and I've heard this happen to other people. Like it can really drive you insane because at a certain point, it's no longer this cool thing. And instead it's this like, you feel like you have to become a detective and decipher every little thing. And um, it just comes at you at such a rate so fast, synchronicity after synchronicity that you realize I can't decipher all of this. So what do I do with it? Um, it can actually become quite haunting at times uh, ultimately, I made peace with the overwhelming amount of synchronicity by understanding that whenever I experience synchronicity, it's just a sign ultimately that just says, hey, Brent, you're in the right place. Keep going. Synchronicity isn't necessarily saying, hey, Brent, come investigate me. No, no, just you're in the right place. Keep going. And what I found there is that uh, ultimately you recognize that it's all synchronicity, right? Synchronicity is an isolated event or an isolated theme in our lives. It's actually the whole thing. The whole thing is synchronicity. If you look at your past before you even went through any sort of spiritual awakening, your life is probably riddled with synchronicity. You just weren't aware of it. Um, and so there's synchronicity all around. I think, you know, if you look at even in, in outer space and whatnot, they say, you know, earth is, you know, if it was just like a few degrees off or like a little bit closer to the sun or a little bit further away, you know, the, the conditions wouldn't be right for life. I think that's synchronicity, you know, um, it's all placed perfectly for our, for us to have this experience. So synchronicity is all around. I think that it is uh, the language of God. Synchronicity is the language of God. So Morgan sharing here in the chat, 
my Kundalini journey started before I had any faith about 12 years ago. So like you mentioned, it was a blockbuster movie I lived in. Just absolutely insane. Once I came out of it, I thought I made some deal with the devil or something. Then I had to start my faith journey. I lived in constant synchronicity and epiphanies for about nine months, homeless and just kept going, guided and had no idea. That was 2012. Yeah, so 2012 was when I experienced a lot of synchronicity as well. So when I really kind of found one thread with synchronicity and I just started to pull it. And that's how I, you know, my whole life just became like a, just this bombardment of synchronicity. Um, so Shiv's asking Morgan here if the synchronicity stopped eventually. I'll let Morgan share there. But for me, I found that the intensity, the overwhelming amount of synchronicity did eventually slow down. And that was also a new challenge because then that challenged my attachment to synchronicity. Then I thought maybe I wasn't in the flow anymore. Maybe I was doing something wrong because I wasn't experiencing like symbols and all sorts of crazy synchronicity at every turn. Eventually I understood like, even if the synchronicity is there, the synchronicity is not there. Can't go wrong. You just have to trust, relax, take care of your body, meditate, uh, you know, just do the basic things. And if you're doing that, I don't think anything can really go wrong, uh, whether there's synchronicity showing up or not. Um, so Molly's sharing here. I love synchronicity so much. They're so comforting, kind of freaky at first, but super beautiful and profound. See, Colin's got his hand up. I'm going to ask Colin to share here. Hey guys. Hey, Brent. Hey, Colin. Can you hear me all right? I'm kind of kicking back on the couch and yeah, in, yeah, nice uh, clear. in the dark. So I don't think you'd see me anyway. Yeah. No um, yeah. Synchronicity is huge for me. It's, you know, I, I get so, I have so much doubt along this journey and so much ebb and flow that it, it seems to be the only thing that really keeps me going. You know, it's like the numbers forget about it. Ever since my Kundalini got like activated, I see numbers like a crazy person to this day. Oh, I'll see repeating numbers. And I'm not talking like two, two or one, one. I'm talking about like eight, 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 you know, like, like big numbers constantly throughout the day. Like what I try to do is I just try to think of what I was thinking at that moment mm. and seeing how the numbers connect. You know, I, I know it's the language of God numbers are and stuff, but it's, it's hard sometimes, you know, it's like I'll instantly go online and start looking up these numbers and try to decipher. But and sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, back in November, I, you know, I always follow like on Instagram, you know, those those spiritual kind of uh, affirmation pages, the, the kind of uplifting stuff that kind of keeps you going and just the repeating numbers attached to those affirmations. So I'm like getting a direct message with the numbers and those I pay attention to. I like I screenshot them because it got so crazy, like back in November, like crazy. But um, that's one big thing. But it, and it's like I see animals, too. Um, lately, it's it's been hawks. And it's not just like, oh, I see a hawk in the distance. It's like it'll swoop out of the tree right above me, like a few feet over my head. Um, I was brushing my teeth the other day and one landed pretty much in the windowsill and just stood there and I could watch him from just a couple feet away. You know, I don't know what it means, but I think it's just a reminder, you know, I'm not alone. I'm pretty isolated out here. So it's just, I just get the, I take it for myself. It's just like, Hey, we're with you. You know, we're, we're with you, you know, my, my, whoever you want to call it on the other side. So I, you know, reassurance. Um, when I was doubting, when I was doubting the Kundalini process for about a month, not doubting it for a month, you know, I doubted all the time, but there was one time I was really going through a lot of doubt and a lot of like kind of damnation of it. And I'd be walking my dog, driving my car, whatever. And a snake would just be come out and just lie in my path just lay there and not move until I had to walk around it most of the time. But it was, then I'm like, Oh, okay. 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 And I kind of bowed down and said, okay, okay. I gotcha. But it's, yeah, it's constant for me. It's, it's the, uh, to be honest, it's the one thing, probably the only thing that keeps me going, you know, that I can't ignore. But 
yeah. that's just my experience you know it's oh, i don't know you. what they yeah. mean half the time but <laughs> you know what i mean yeah do you do you resonate with my my what i boiled it down for myself is it just means you're on the right path to keep going does that fit for you or does that satisfy you or, or not so much it's it, it 50 50 you know i have so much doubt along this path because my life is is you know I, I felt like i made a bunch of bad decisions and it hasn't been going the way i thought it would but um but i i don't know you know it's it's it, it just that's all i can say i guess it just keeps me going you know it's 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 tough though you know here here I'll, I'll share i don't know if i can share in the chat but right after my rising experience um i i started dating someone and she had a bunch of tattoos and it kind of inspired me and I, I rarely get tattoos um but i i had an idea for a tattoo you know and i just have some th theme elements and stuff and this is about three or four months after my rising experience but I told my tattoo artist these kind of theme elements because he kind of specialized in doing knives. And I thought that was a cool kind of classic tattoo, but um, I think I could put it in the chat. Let's see if I can, um, I'll show you what he came up with. Oh, very cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And what does it look like to you? You know, it's like, was, wasn't intentional for like a Kundalini tattoo, but mm got the goddess it's got i always saw the knife is disembowelment <laughs> yeah you know? very cool so for those that can't see uh um i guess it would be on on youtube colin's sharing uh an image of a, a tattoo design with a, a knife and a snake coiled around that knife and in the knife there's like a, a feminine eye beautiful here's the finished and so this was uh not really intended for kundalini is that what you were saying yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i just threw some elements at him and he's like hey check this out and i'm like go for it amazing <laughs> yeah yeah it's just unintentional but completely intentional at the same time yeah exactly right so um you mentioned colin um snakes appearing on your path i want to read here from this book that I was uh, going through uh, last week, it's called The Sacred Power, A Seeker's Guide to Kundalini by Swami Kripananda. Now, Swami Kripananda is uh, a student, follower, disciple, I guess, of uh, Muktananda. Now, Muktananda, he was uh, a guru, a bit of a controversial character, um, an abuser, you could say. So I just want to lead with that. So I'm not necessarily endorsing um, this lineage per se, but I have, of course, um, I'm, there's not much material out there to read. And I, I picked this up at the thrift store and was inspired to read this. And uh, when Colin was sharing about the snakes appearing um, in his path, it reminded me of a section here in uh, the sacred power about the great sage Shankaracharya. So I'll read here. The Devi is the mother aspect of the Supreme. She is the creator and nourisher of the world and is worshipped primarily because of her compassionate heart. It is said that when the great sage Shankaracharya was living in Benares in the 8th century, he would go every day to the banks of the Ganges where he would teach his students Advaita Vedanta, the philosophy of non-dualism. One day he found a dead body blocking his path and a young widow keeping vigil over it. Shankaracharya's disciples asked the widow to make way for their great teacher, but she ignored them. Then Shankaracharya himself asked her to please move the body and allow them to pass. When she ignored him too, he asked her a second time. The young widow looked at Shankaracharya and said, why don't you ask him to move? This puzzled the sage. So the woman continued, you teach non-dualism, but you yourself are guilty of dualism. You have taught only half of the truth. You worship only Lord Shiva. You have ignored Shakti, the great goddess. 
She is the power that has created the entire universe. If you worship her, you will be able to bring this body back to life. According to legend, this young widow was the divine mother who had assumed that particular form to teach the eminent sage a lesson. From that day on, Shankaracharya became a great devotee of the goddess and composed many beautiful hymns in her praise. In one of them, he says, O mother, you have many worthy sons on earth, but I, your son, am of no worth. Yet you should never abandon me. A bad son may at times be born, but a bad mother there can never be. I have no desire for liberation, neither for wealth nor for knowledge. O moon-faced one, I do not wish for happiness. I only beg this of you, that I may spend my life in the recitation of your names. Mridani, Rudrani, Shiva, Shive, Bhavani. So the Shakti, the goddess, the snake appearing on the path. Uh, Shankaracharya, like I just read in the passage, in the, in the beginning of his journey, he was focused on his teaching on Shiva alone, on the absolute. And uh, interestingly, many to this day within non-duality circles, the type of people that will say there is only awareness, there is only consciousness, there is no you, there is no me. Those people revere Shankaracharya and fail to recognize that after this experience in the latter half of his journey, he was a devotee of the goddess, devotee of Kundalini. So there are many people on this path that will actually deny the importance of Kundalini. And they refer to Shankaracharya's like earlier teachings and say, well, look, this guy never had anything to do with Kundalini. Well, in fact, later on in his life, he was a devotee of the goddess. So it's, it's interesting the way that people can kind of cherry pick uh, uh, things to suit them on their journey, which is actually, uh, you know, I felt victim to this when I spoke earlier about at the beginning phase of my journey, I had this huge awakening in my head. There was, you know, no Brent left. There was no ego there. I thought that was the end of the path because I was following teachings like, you know, the non-duality circles that had not, uh, you know, given reverence to Kundalini. But of course, uh, you know, Kundalini is important for all spiritual developments, all paths. It's there. It's not often spoken about openly in the way we're talking about it here today, but it's there if you look. So, uh, Aaron, I saw you had raised your hand. I was going to invite you to share if you feel like. Yeah, thanks, Brent. Um, just on what you had just shared, uh, I was just listening to an interesting talk with Igor. What, what is his last name? Yes, and he was actually just sharing on this exact topic in relationship to many of the non-dual teachers and you know, conveying a very similar message in, re in regards to like an overall respect and also just his belief system that that is, is misguided as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I was just sitting with it because I literally just listened to it, but it's, uh, you know, the, here's the synchronicity <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, yeah, just touching in really quickly on on a few of the things that were, were shared, you know, in relationship to the animals, I've also uh, experienced um, a lot of that. And we've discussed that Brent, actually. And, and just uh, for for anybody that that wants to go a little bit deeper on it, I really feel like um, the book Animal Speaks by Ted Andrews, which um, is really a book on earth based uh, traditions, he's coming from a, a more shamanic background, but it, he has delved very, very deeply into span uh, into uh, the spirit of the um, of the animals and what they mean and what teachings they offer. And it's been my experience throughout my entire journey that the, the animals have come in both physical form and in spiritual form, and that there's really a, a lot there um, for them to to share if we're open to receiving it. And almost that it's a lens just like in many ways that the divine teaches it's just another lens but that each one of these animals has very specific teachings so that's uh that's really cool and 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 the last thing that i would just wanted to share on was just that you know i was thinking a lot about synchronicity and um and how 
my experience with synchronicity is that in some ways I feel that it is supporting the strengthening of the nervous system, which is that in there's a lot of times in in my own experience when when the kundalini is really moving and um it's it's almost like i'm you know i'm 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 trying to to just stay centered and stay grounded and more and more synchronicity is occurring that that is that has a tendency to not always have a very positive impact like oh look at the beauty of the interconnected of allness of all things but sometimes it has a um a, a kind of tone to it which is more like can you can you deal with all this that's going on and in that sense what i've come to see is that like over time i just really am working on my breathing practices in relationship to a lot of this uh synchronicity to and see and it's kind of you know it's brought on this you know understanding within myself that i'm actually getting um I'm getting kind of trained in how to regulate myself by by having sometimes more and more intense experiences that can be regulated through breath. So I just wanted to share that for anybody that is is experiencing um, difficulty with with synchronicities that aren't always necessarily feeling supportive. You know, brilliant. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great that you've you've taken us to this place. Um, I have a comment about this, but first, I just want to let everybody know that Aaron and I recorded a Kundalini conversation. It will be out soon. He's got a very, very fascinating journey, really interesting. Um, so you can look forward to that. And then, of course, um, Aaron's uh, offering some support for those going through this awakening journey as well. So uh, more to come on that. Um, yeah, thanks, Aaron. So speaking about synchronicity, regulating the nervous system. So when I began, I, I, I quite literally became obsessed with synchronicity. I guess in some respects I still am, but I, I had this word come to me and it's, the word is WOWDA, W-O-W-D-U-H, WOWDA. And this word captured the feeling that I had after a certain point, whenever I encountered synchronicity, it was a, wow, this is so amazing and incredible. And like, duh, of course, synchronicity is all there is, like, of course. So the nervous system in the beginning, when you see synchronicity, you can get really fired up and get like overwhelmed and super excited, kind of get ungrounded. With maturity, it's almost like the nervous system became acclimated to the synchronicity, which manifested as this like, duh, type feeling this sort of maturity about it. But what I found was that the maturity didn't overtake the childlike awe and wonder of the synchronicity. It was like, I can hold both together. I can enjoy the awe and the excitement of it. And then simultaneously also say, yeah, of course, synchronicity is all there is, of course, without getting super ungrounded. So I'll, I'll, I'll pass it back to you, Aaron. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that statement. Does that, does that feel... Like it, it means something to you, wowed it. The specific word, I I more am appreciating the you know the the message behind with what you're communicating. Just definitely that there is a um, like an integration process that that occurs where you're able to be in harmony with both of those aspects as they're occurring at once, and you know the reflection that. Sometimes I think about about this in the context of the of of like, you know, you hear about the Big Bang where everything is is separating, and then you, there's also a scientific theory about the Big Crunch of everything coming back together. And if you were to think about what does it mean for everything to come back together, synchronicity is like the deepening of things unifying into a uh, a sense of of wholeness. And yeah, I just. Um, I think that relates well to, to, uh, Wauda. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing. I appreciate it. Morgan says about synchronicity. When I started living in fear, it slowed down. Once I opened back up the possibility of this being real guided to something more than what I could imagine that came back on. Great. So Shiv says here, can you share any of your favorite grounding techniques? 
I also found that eating meat helps. Yes, I found that eating meat is, for me personally, is the most powerful means to ground. Um, not for everybody, but um, if without it, I wouldn't be here. I would I would either be um, locked up in some place or who knows. But um, meat definitely was very important for me to uh, to keep my feet on the ground at certain points in this process. Um, other grounding techniques, spending time in nature, avoiding, I mean, the irony of what we're doing here, but avoiding spiritual conversations, just talking about grounded stuff, talking about boring stuff, the weather, work, sports, just staying on earth. Um, that can help as well. If at times you're finding that you're just too obsessed with spirituality and whatnot, uh, just avoiding the topic for some time. Uh, it's, it's always, uh, it's a good idea. Um, and you can always return to it, always return to it. Shiv says uh, that he's read that book many times, The Sacred Power. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good book. I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. So I've actually, um, I was looking at this picture of Bhagwan Nityananda, who, uh, you know, he's a Kundalini guru, no longer in his body. But I was looking at this picture and uh, just contemplating it, contemplating Bhagwan Nityananda. And I received an email from a woman named Julie Hoyle. Uh, she's, uh, she's got a YouTube channel. And she says, hey, Brian, I want to invite you on my YouTube channel um, for a conversation about Kundalini. And uh, I said, hey, I'd love to come on your YouTube channel. Um, and she shared a bit about her journey. She said, in 1989 which is after Bhagwan Nityananda left his body, she uh, received a, a sort of Shaktipat from Bhagwan Nityananda in a, in a vision type experience. So we'll find out more about that when I have her on, uh, on my channel. But she says, yeah, so Bhagwan Nityananda, he gave me a Shaktipat in 1989, and that was the beginning of her Kundalini awakening process, I believe. Might be a little iffy on some of those details, but like I said, we'll clarify. And I said, oh, that's really cool. I was just looking at, you know, Bhagwan Nityananda's picture in this book yesterday. And she says, oh, Bhagwan Nityananda is the one that told me to reach out to you, Brent, to have you on my podcast. So I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. So, uh, so Bhagwan Nityananda is pulling some strings from the other side. You could say, let me just make sure. Yeah. So yeah, he died in 1961. So he was uh, Muktananda's guru. Like I said, Muktananda is a little bit of a questionable figure, though he did have some uh, notable um, spiritual powers, you could say. So Morgan shares here in the chat. Once during my journey in 2012, I was homeless and was being guided to a hotel. It was about 2 a.m. I heard something tell me to go to the counter of the hotel. There was a hotel key with a room number on it. I went and slept and showered. Was woken up by hotel staff and then was guided on my way to my next stop. <laughs> and Shiv's asking her, did you like not pay for the room? And Morgan says, nope. There was no emotion behind it. I just kept going. The universe was guiding me. It was a lot. Yeah, great. Yes, interesting things that, uh, you know, Grace Grace uh, supports us in these interesting ways, very interesting ways. And some may say that, you know, um, some of these things are maybe unethical or immoral, which is a whole other topic. But I think it's a theme in the Bhagavad Gita that when you live in alignment, you don't necessarily need to be too fixated on morality because the flow will take you where it needs to take you. And the Bhagavad Gita, you know, God, Krishna appears to a warrior and says, Hey, Arjuna, you're a warrior. Go and kill those people. <laughs> so ethics, morality are a bit of a, a blurry type of theme when it comes to living in alignment. Now, not to be used for spiritual bypassing, you know, we don't go and steal and rob and punch anybody in the face and say, Oh, you know, uh, ethics and morality are not important because I'm spiritually awakened. There's also a line in Tao Te Ching that says, when the great Tao is forgotten, 
morality and virtue arise, if I'm not mistaken. The line is something like that. So when the great Tao is forgotten, so when the flow is forgotten, when grace is forgotten, then we need to come up with rules and virtues in order to guide us in life because we have lost the flow. We've lost you know, the, the living in alignment with the Tao. But when you know the Tao, you can drop ideas of, say, morality and just trust that you'll be taken care of. Maybe, you know, you'll find yourself, um, you know, in a free hotel room. You get the rest. You get to sleep. God's taking care of you in, you know, some, some odd ways like this. Very fine line here. Um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. And I'll end with just saying, you know, I'm not encouraging anybody to break the law or hurt one another or themselves. We want to operate as best as we can in an ethical way. You know, ethics is is the first step in, in many of the paths, Buddhist path, uh, the path of yoga, it's there. But there's some interesting, you know, philosophical contemplations that we can have uh, around these ideas uh, of, uh, you know, the flow. Kai says, the intensity of Kundalini is like nothing I've ever imagined. What are some ways we've gotten through it? Well, I think one way we've gotten through it is with just knowing there are other people out there that are going through it. I think that can really help make a big, big difference. Um, I mean, that's why I'm doing this here, but um, trusting in the process, right? Uh, the theme today that we're speaking about is synchronicity. And so synchronicity reveals that there's, there's order to this process, that it's not just random chaos, that there's actually some trajectory that we're, we're on and uh, it's a transformation taking place. So that's those two things I think are at the root of how I've, you know, managed to get through some of the difficult times. Casey says, do you think prescription drugs can ground Kundalini syndrome? So of course I'm not a doctor here, not a psychiatrist. Um, and this isn't medical advice. It's just spiritual advice from a guy in his room on zoom and YouTube. Um, there are certain I've heard from, from different people that's, you know, taking prescription medication um, has caused their Kundalini activity to be mild, um, which is for them, it, it, for some people, it may be what's needed to uh, uh, keep a little bit of a space between the intense Kundalini phenomena and the individual. Um, I've heard other people that say, uh, you know, uh, when they following their doctor's advice, you know, weaned off certain medications, the Kundalini became, you know, much more amplified and the, the process picked up a lot of speed. Um, so it does seem to have an effect on, for certain people, depending on certain medication. Of course, not a psychiatrist here, just sharing from things that I've heard. Um, so some may say that, you know, uh, medication can uh, dull Kundalini. Others may say that it can actually help the process. So I know that uh, an individual that I was speaking with was in touch with uh, a doctor, also a, a very uh, experienced Kundalini um, uh, person and guide. And uh, he said, look, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with medication. You know, this isn't the 1500s or something. You know, this isn't uh, something like that. Like we're 2024, like pharmaceuticals, medication, medicine, it's come quite a long way. And so you don't have to live as if, you know, you're like, a, you know, in the middle ages or something, you can, you can, make use of medication if this is what's necessary for you. So that, okay, that's a pretty uh, interesting perspective. Adya Shanti, who's a, a great spiritual teacher. I mean, he's the real deal. Um, you know, he, he went through Kundalini Awakening. He doesn't talk about it too much, but he, he has, you know, he's spoken about it. There's a clip with him talking about it with uh, Bonnie Greenmel on YouTube. Anyway, you know, he's like one of the most famous teachers in the world. He recently retired and uh, he gave a talk saying, you know, a lot of stuff is coming up for him, a lot of trauma, a lot of emotional stuff, a lot of physical pain. And uh, he, he says, you know, it's, it's time for him to retire and to, you know, focus on, on the work that he's been called to do for himself. Um, and he says, you know, he's on anti-anxiety medication, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he says, yeah, it just kind of gives him a bit more of a, a space for him to um, be able to process some of the things that are coming up. So, you know, I think it's up to uh, every individual and of course, uh, you know, working with, uh, you know, doctors who really uh, know the stuff uh, quite well for the most part. Right. So um, that's what I can say about prescription medication and Kundalini, of course, not a doctor here, just a guy, just a guy.
So Ty says here, Kundalini teachers like Brent and Craig Holiday have said there's no such thing as Kundalini syndrome. Instead, it's just very intense Kundalini. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I acknowledge Kundalini syndrome and I see why people use that term. I get it, but um, I'm here to snap people out of, of victimhood and thinking that something is going wrong when they're having Kundalini awakening and actually bring people to a point where they can celebrate and say, wow, like I'm being blessed by a transformation that yogis have sought for millennia, right? It's not a syndrome that you've got uh, as if you're some victim, like you've been blessed by something that people around the world have been working for lifetimes to achieve. Uh, and of course, it's a powerful transformation. It's healing, it's evolution, it's growth. It's, it's you know, it's tapping into our, our full potential. Um, Ty's sharing here that alcohol can temporarily quiet the intensity, but it comes back more intensely. So one should be careful with that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Alcohol can uh, dull these things, but it can lead to... Um, pretty difficult experiences from others that I've spoken to. Um, it can lead to some pretty difficult experiences. Ty's also sharing here, you know, drugs like LSD can actually amplify the intensity. Uh, yeah, speaking from experience, like I said, you know, I opened this, uh, this meeting here talking about, um, you know, that, that experience I had on LSD about 10 years ago. Um, yes, it can definitely amplify this stuff. I don't actually recommend it. I, you know, I was a bit reckless, um, un, un, uneducated or informed on the power of these things. Um, today, I actually, uh, generally speaking, will discourage uh, the use of psychedelics during Kundalini process because Kundalini is the most powerful psychedelic in and of itself. But uh, those who are inclined to approach psychedelics, plant medicine, uh, in a conscious way, it can be used um, can be used as a tool. But eventually, even that needs to be let go of. So Morgan says, even microdosing. Yes, I think even microdosing. Um, in my opinion, the idea of a microdose. It's a bit tricky because uh, if you're very sensitive, uh, what some may call a microdose for you could be a megadose, right? It depends how sensitive you are. Um, and so uh, with Kundalini, it's likely that you become very, very sensitive in general. So um, put it this way, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, Brian, should I do psychedelics during my Kundalini awakening process? Generally speaking, I'll say no, because you're, you're coming to ask me. That probably means that you, you don't know what you're doing. But if you tune in and you're, you know, mindful and conscious and you have proper support and you're willing to do the work before, during, and after, it can be used as a tool at times. But, um, you know, there, like everything, there's no magic pills in life. There's downsides to everything. You know, it, it can really amplify the energy in the body and, and cause a lot of instability for, for months, maybe even years afterwards. Um, and so you have to just be willing to, to work with that. You know, I, I encounter a lot of people that actually have Kundalini awakenings on psychedelics. And so, um, and the psychedelics itself can, can really cause a very intense, intense awakening, um, in and of itself. Um, my awakening, I'd had, uh, some psychedelics involved, uh, which, you know, looking back, I can see that uh, my system wasn't fully prepared. And that's why I had a pretty difficult time compared to some people who have spent like a long time, years in self-care and in spiritual practice. And then they have the awakening. It's much more gradual, much more subtle. And they're looking around at people that are having all these insane, like dark nights of the soul and going, whoa, I wonder why that didn't happen to me. It's probably because they didn't, you know, push uh, prematurely, but you know, another perspective I can give is the journey unfolds as it's meant to unfold. So I have no regrets. I, uh, I know it all unfolds as it should, but, uh, anyway, I'm rambling a little bit there. I think next week, the theme that we'll talk about will be the witch wound, the witch wound, um, the fear of persecution for, you know, your spirituality. I have this witch wound. Maybe you do too. Kind of walk around kind of quote unquote in the closet. Um, feeling a little bit uh, unsure of, of speaking about your spirituality. So uh, we'll talk about this. I'll, I'll share some interesting things. I had some interesting past life memories coming up that uh, definitely uh, indicate some, some witch wound lingering in me. In fact, you know, like I was sharing, I guess I can start to wind down here. Like I was sharing, you know, this new project that I have, kundaliniawareness.org. I thought about it 
the reason I put this together is because uh, of my witch wound. Um, you know, kundaliniawareness.org is a manifestation of my shadow. It's my attempt to uh, address this, this feeling of being persecuted as if I'm, people think I'm crazy. I'm trying to raise awareness about Kundalini so I can soothe myself and my own witch wound. And then, of course, I know other people out there have the same wound where they're saying, you know, nobody understands me. My life is in shambles because of this process. I can't even talk about it to anybody. They think I'm crazy. That's where the witch wound comes from. So Kundalini awareness is, uh, you know, it's, it's kundaliniawareness.org. It's uh, an attempt to address the witch wound, to heal the witch wound globally. Um, you know, so we'll see what comes out of it. So we'll talk a little bit about that. I invite you to, uh, um, you know, uh, contemplate a little bit about your own witch wound and maybe you can come next week with some things to share. We'll get a little bit of conversation going. Maybe you've got some, some tools, some tips, some insights for how we can overcome the witch wound. So you can check out my course, Grounded Spiritual Emergence and Integration, eight hours of uh, material there to support you when you feel like you're a bobblehead. You know, you got a lot of prana, a lot of energy up in the head, can't sleep. Maybe you've got a lot of really far out mystical experiences that you're going through. You're not grounded. You don't feel safe in your body, safe to return in your body. So I put together this course to help you to address those challenges on the path, as well as the witch wound. I've got a section there about the witch wound. There's about uh, also about 45 different techniques for grounding as well. I know Shiv was asking about... Um, grounding techniques. So I've got uh, a whole uh, little ebook in there all about grounding techniques. You can also meet me uh, on um, every Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern for the Q&A meeting that will be hosted on Zoom, similar to this meeting, except not broadcasted on YouTube. Uh, we'll take questions. We'll uh, get some conversation going in the chat as well. It's always a good time. You can also uh, find out about meeting with me one-on-one -on -one if you'd like to go deeper uh, in a private meeting. We can uh, sit down for about an hour or so and really go deep into, uh, you know, talking about your journey, some of your challenges as well. Maybe you just want to be heard by somebody who can relate. I'm here for you. You can find out about that, brentspirit.com. For all those that have sent the donation, and I really appreciate it. It really goes a long way. Um, um, my life is dedicated to this work. I'm not saving up for a yacht or something. I'm just, it's just going to go right back into this work so I can support others. I've understood that that's what I'm here to do. It's to raise awareness about Kundalini to share what I can. And uh, in doing so, this is how I serve the divine mother, the goddess Shakti. So this is my work. So uh, we'll meet again next week. Runspirit.com slash after dark. If you'd like to register to join us on Zoom. For all those tuning in on YouTube, thank you so much. Uh, you know, do all the other stuff you guys already know. Subscribe, like, comment, blah, blah, blah. Thank you all so much. Enjoy your night, get some sleep. And until next time, much love and peace.